right, everybody. This is our special episode, if you ask me, mm. where we're going to talk about women's inclusion in Side B spaces. Life on Side B is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and sexuality and those types of things. Um, this is a ministry that is also connected with posture shift that helps different people to um, learn how to interact with their different family members and their churches um, with the LGBTQ community, if that's the best explanation I think I can come up with. Um, um, bleh. I'm not good at introductions, so that's that. But, so I'm Ashley, and everybody knows who I am, I think. Sarah is joining us, I think, for the third time this season, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Yep. We've been busy. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> and Joanna, I think it's the second time you've been here this season. Second time, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Josh asked if I wanted to do this episode, and I was like, well, you can do, like, still be there and ask the questions, and we can have, like, a guy's live reaction to it, but everybody's like, no, we'll just do it ourselves. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's fine, because one was the live reaction, of two would get this awkward part out of the way, but then it, then again, it is, I think it's interesting to be like, we've not had really this at all like we've always tried to have like since we started doing co-hosts to be at least have the same amount of like guys and girls on there but a lot of times it's still and we try to always have some of us in an episode but like really female-led conversations and stuff I don't think I've come across much either mm-hmm. just um I think the closest thing would be probably Lori Kriegs um Hold My Heart podcast and that's still very equally shared with her husband and her producer Steve so I think a good place to start is besides just life on side B and like side B spaces where do we think we've seen women left out of the sexuality conversation in general like historically like overall because like I'm thinking about it I think it's something that's goes a lot further back than just side B like it's not something that started there or ends there Is that question <laughs> or not um, <laughs> the very little I know because like I said I know I think I'm the one who has probably like the least involvement with like the broader LGBT community besides things where I tried to just educate myself and read and watch documentaries and do the best that I can to know what I can and looking back on like what is um Ow, my leg. Just um, different, like, parts of the, the history historically, it was always usually led by um, the conversation is, if not led by, overtaken by men. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's something that is always just, like, when you look back on the history of sexuality, it's something that's usually for some reason or another, it's like the women are kind of like almost a side of the conversation. When the gay liberation movement was coming along, lesbians or, you know, women in general were kind of to the side, partly intentionally. I think they just liked not having to deal with the spotlight and all that, but it was very much something that we were excluded from a conversation and I think came back into later on. And not to mention how women have not been included in leading theological conversations ever. Mm. Really. It's probably only recently. Which, ironically, lately with people coming about talking about women being pastors and, and all this type of thing, just because I grew up non-denominational and not knowing things. I didn't even know that was a thing until I was in my 20s. A thing that women could be pastors or a thing that women could not? Could not. Oh, Uh, wow. Because, like, I guess I just didn't know what the technical or practical differences were in titles or whatever. I'm like, you have Joyce Meyer and you have Beth Moore. Like, aren't those pastors? And I didn't know. I was a kid. I still don't know what Joyce Meyer is technically, (laughs) I guess. Um, 
<laughs> rich is what she is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shade. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's not wrong. Um, you I'm know, sorry. but I guess because they always said like women couldn't teach men, and I'm like, I'm sure that's not only women that listen to Joyce Meyer or something. She's on TV. I don't know. It's just it was like when I was, and it's very non-denominational in the South is very Pentecostal influenced, mm. I guess to an extent, and so you still usually have women in leadership roles. My church does have a couple women pastors, not just the children's pastor, but like different ministry pastors, like our associate pastors, not our main pastor. So I didn't know that you couldn't do that until recently. And so getting more to know the more Christian, like ethos and elite, it was like, oh, there's a lot more rules to this about what women can and can't do that I did not know about coming from a small church. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's real. Something that I would like to read and learn more about at some point in my life. Um, It's just like women's agency in general. And I think when we think about the sexuality conversation, part of the reason that I think women have been left out of it, particularly from a historical standpoint, is just because like women haven't had the agency to make decisions about their lives and to make like to have control over what their future was going to look like until very recently. And I think that one day I would love for to do research or for someone in my life to do research about what it means and like how we can approach the sexuality conversation and the side B conversation differently because we just very recently have the ability. I mean, like monks have existed forever and like men have been able to choose into those ways of living and I, in a way that I think women have not. And I would love to learn more about that. So that's a thought historically. I do think there's been in the history of the uh, gay, you know, if we go looking back in the history, we're sort of pre LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're looking back in the sort of like gay rights movement era, I do think there's a lot of, um, yeah, just a tendency for uh, women to be largely invisible or not have much to do about anything. Um, You know, I think uh, partly because they had their own sets of concerns, right? Often feminist related concerns. Mm -hmm. Um, Partly because, you know, guys can have a knack for dominating conversations. Um, And I think, I think there's a way in which uh, gay men can kind of cling to uh, sort of the the dominance and authority that maleness gives mm. them, right? Because it's sort of like, you know, something they've got, you know. And and I do think there's a ten, there has been a tendency, uh, or there's been it, it's not the whole story, but I do think there's a strain, you know, as you look back of men, uh, particularly gay men who simply uh, prefer the company of other men and are mostly focused on the concerns yeah. of other men. And, you know, women are just sort of peripheral. Women are just sort of marginal, not really. I don't think it's always an overt, or always was like an overt misogyny, although I think sometimes it was, but I think just women didn't really register on their radar. A lot of times, I think, in a lot of ways, you know. Um, So, of course, things are made, I think that whole dynamic is also made more challenging by the fact that, I feel like inside B, we are the the number imbalance oh, is yeah. much bigger than in the broader uh, in the broader community. Getting, I, w- I would say too recently getting better, but yeah, no, there was a. I remember when I was like just getting into it and everything. There was a stark difference. Yeah, it was the the ratio was very off. Yeah. <laughs> But still, like, you know, a lot of places, you know, it's a lot better than it was, you know, so I've been here for like 20 something years and, you know, maybe it was 10 to one when I started and now it's like five to one, six to one on a good day, you know, like, I feel like if you've got one woman for every four dudes, you're like, yes, you know, we're really, we're we're like, that's wonderful, you know, and uh, it's just, it's surreal, right? Because you would think. 50% 50% of the population or 50 plus percent of the population um, 
50 plus yeah you know what i mean like it's it's just weird uh but i think that's sort of an interesting conversation on its own is why 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 is the imbalance i feel particularly inside me so strong do you have thoughts on that question yeah like i think i remember the uh huh no go ahead ashley um oh no sorry were you saying ashley um, like you remember, I think it was the retreat I went to me and you were both at, I think it was, they had said it was like the first one we had so many women and we were like, <laughs> it was like me, you, um, this like, this was the year before Revoice. Okay. Um, so Wait, me, <laughs> how many, women, but how many men were yeah, there? Yeah, it's like, it was just over one hand, but how many of us were there total? Yeah, like no, like 30. 50. So. Oh, no, it's more than that, I thought. It's only it 30? I, th- I thought it was like, well, and maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, I could It be was totally a big retreat. It was, it that's was. what I'm saying. It was a big retreat, and there was like, this yeah. many women, it was like, wow, we really are presented like, this time. If it's 30 yeah, yeah, people yeah. and six are women, yeah. that's still like five to one. Yeah, no, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But that's like as good as it gets, it feels yeah. like sometimes. That's how so. it felt. Yeah, it's like, man, it's like, I can get better than this. Well, because I went one year and I was the only woman. And that was like, I think you weird. said that happened more than once though, right? Uh, to me, it only happened once. Okay. Someone else went once and they were the only woman. But, yeah, like it. But it only got me once, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great retreat and we have yeah. nothing against the guys. Uh, there's been... Multiple times in my life, I'm the one chick in, like, this group of guys, and it's, I don't want to say never bothered me, but it's it's a situation I'm comfortable mm-hmm. enough in, but then you mm-hmm. go and you look back on it, and you're like, why is that, though? Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was, like, I say I probably started looking for resource material and community, like, six years ago, and just always just finding, um, any books were always written by men. I think books written by women is only very recently with like the past, like maybe a couple of years at the very least inside B and sexuality stuff. It was all men that had written it. Um, any groups or blogs, it was almost always a guy that you could find. Um, so do you guys think that the women being left out of the theological conversation and sexuality conversation influences that stark difference inside B spaces or, is it something in and of itself, like its own animal? I I think it's I think there are lots of factors. Um, for one thing, I think um, so more women, I think, find themselves on a uh, you know on a bi spectrum uh, or on an ace spectrum. Uh, and I think historically side B groups were about support for living this difficult kind of hmm. life. I mean, I'm not saying that's like what it is or what it's supposed to be, but I think historically it comes out of a tradition of we're trying to encourage each other to, you know, uh, stay celibate or stay faithful in mixed orientation marriage and, hmm. you know, just sort of be there for each other and encourage each other. Hmm. And I think... Um, I think one of the factors uh, that I think isn't a result of um, any fault on on the guy's part is that uh, I think in some cases women, at least for those reasons, have felt less need for something like side B support or community or identity, right? Because they can, um, because of, you know, sexual fluidity or, you know, or more room to uh, slightly more room to breathe. Slightly more room to breathe in terms of their own sexuality. Slightly less intense sense, like oh, I want this one thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is the only thing that's going to work for me. How can I live a good life mm-hmm. without it? You know that yeah. I think that doesn't come up as strongly. It doesn't always come up as strongly. It certainly came up that strongly for me, but I think for a lot of women, it doesn't come up as strongly. Yeah. Um, I think recently we've seen a trend with more people uh, connecting with side B and I, you know, just identifying um, with side B and side B community for, you know, a broader set of reasons, right? Just yes. uh, like-minded people, experiences, processing. It's not as much of the sort of support group mentality that I think it was for a while. Uh, but I wonder if that tradition influences it in some way. 
Um, and I think one thing that uh, a blessing is that we have going for us is uh, I feel like a lot of times we can integrate better in some sense into Christian spaces because women freak out less. <laughs> straight women freak out less, in my experience, than straight men do about okay. having a gay friend. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was going to say, where, how? And then you say in comparison to straight men. I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've, had, I've had very little experience with uh, straight female friends being weirded out by me, you know? Or being weirded out, like, oh, no, what if, like, am I going to, is she right, going to hit yeah. on me? You know, is she going to make a move? Or, you know, that's, or, you know, where, what's our relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, there may be uh, anxiety and embarrassment on my own end, but, right. but that's, it's all been sort of internally generated. Um, but I've heard lots of stories from guys uh, where... Uh, you know, I think in more particularly, um, more, more, especially conservative parts of the country. It made things weird. They free, right. I mean, even just admitting that you're gay or uh, can make things weird, <laughs> really weird, uh, you know, in a way that um, might make close friendship difficult for a lot of people, mm. I think, yeah. for a lot of guys. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Like, these are just some thoughts that I've had about why it might be different, you know, aside from the very real things you point out about, you know, sort of women be excluded from a lot of these conversations or marginal, yeah. marginalized yeah. on a lot of these conversations generally. But but those are some of the other things that, that I wonder, like, is this playing a part too? Um, like things on a practical lived level, yeah. Yeah, like I think, I think guys are often just more... Desperate seems like a very harsh word, but but something nicer. That, but you know, I feel like guys just—it's a bigger thing for them. And you know, I mean, I enjoy uh, getting to know uh, side B women a lot, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not been—maybe it's not on the same level. I don't know. That's just a, something I wonder. It's about. not something that presses on you as much as you feel like it does on some of the guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, it doesn't have the same sense of urgency to an extent. Right, right. Or I feel like, you know, I could put some of my relational energy in this direction, or I could direct it somewhere else. You know what I mean? Queer friends, queer female friends in particular is less important to you than it is to the, like, typical side B gay man? Um, I don't know. I was clarifying what you were saying, and so... Okay. No, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. But now you're making me answer it, making right? But, it, yeah. but I, I think that might be yeah. right in, in some cases. Um, I think that might, uh, you know, like I said, for one thing, I don't, I haven't had, I haven't been rejected by, mm-hmm. uh, by female, by, by women in the church, you know, friends or not friends, um, in a way mm-hmm. that I think a lot of guys can be. Um, the other thing I think happens is I think more women inside B tend to either uh, get married or uh, foster children. Mm. Uh, I was was, was going to talk about that too. And I think that is, again, is another way in which you're sort of, A, you're spending time and energy, you know, it's it's going somewhere somewhere else, else, right? It's not, it's not going to, to side B stuff particularly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I don't want to, there's totally a lot of great guys fostering and, and, and a lot of great guys, you know, doing marriage and stuff like that. Um, so I don't want to like uh, ignore them or erase them in any way. But I, I do think there's a, a greater tendency for women to do those things. I also wonder, I think in conversations I've had with side B men generally, the like compulsive heterosexuality was much less ingrained in their understanding of the world and their understanding of like what their future would look like. When, like, little baby Sarah knew exactly what type of man she would marry and, like, had all of these things that, like, it just didn't even click in my brain. Like, this is not how – like, I had all of these things of here is how I will create a functioning marriage, even though I am not attracted to men at all. And – Wow. And, like, wow. have a specific type of yeah. man I am attracted to that I had to learn. That, like, no, Sarah, like, this is not what attraction feels like. This is just how you have been trained your entire life. <laughs> to interact with men wow and so part of me wonders if well two things one i think like that pressure that women have then means that 
women are just out less. And if you're bisexual, like you were much more um, incentivized because of the systems in which we exist to marry a man um, or to Mm -hmm. like ignore this attraction or not engage it or what have you. Um, Right. But I also think that gay men, like with cishet men, they have to interact with me at some level because maybe I'm attracted to them. Like they have to learn to interact with women and have to learn um, in some way to be attracted to women or to be attractive to women. And so I think they're incentivized more into those interactions in a way that like gay men are not interested in women and never have been and may not have had the same nope. like societal church pressures to be interested in women and thus never learn those skills. And I think in a lot of ways, we don't talk about that as the misogyny that it sometimes can be. That's not such a, I guess I hadn't thought about that, like, in, specifically in, like, a faith setting. I'm thinking, like, youth groups, for example. Like, if they, if you see, like, teenagers or something, and it's, like, they're not, like, super boy crazy or super girl crazy, that's going to be, one, encouraged to, like, you know, it to a certain extent. And so if the guy's really not, like, you know, totally after the girls, they're not really going to talk to them about it. But girls are still going to be talked about, too, about how, like, marriage and husband and because that's almost like what the purpose is whereas the guys they're going to be pushing them in this direction of learning how to be this that and the other thing whereas us the one of the few directions that they're going to push us into is how to be a good wife Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't i didn't grow up in the church so i didn't have that experience in particular but i know from talking to lots of other like i like what you described, Sarah, I think hits the nail right on the head for a lot of women who grew up in the church. A lot of their experience is that growing up to be a wife and mom is just so central to your to your destiny, to your purpose. To your, and I hadn't even thought about that, like I said, because I was uh, outside of that. Um, like how that would affect your ability to like you say, even come out, even yeah. understand what's going on, fully see and understand what's going on with you, admit it to yourself in the first place, because it's so outside of mm-hmm. this grid, yeah. right? You've been given. Yeah. And I also think that's just super, I wasn't sure how to, how to put it, but I think you put your finger on it so excellently, which is that, um, you know, straight guys are motivated to, Learn how to be appealing to women or understand yep. women, engage yeah. with women in a certain way, right? They've mm-hmm. they've got an incentive, um, and gay guys don't. And I think that that definitely is part of. And it's interesting because most it people out. think that gay guys will get along with women better because of stereotypes and right. this, that, and the other thing. But it's not always true either. And it's 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 like they don't they. Like I said, they don't have the incentive to want to learn how to interact with us other than maybe yeah. like surface level things. Well, and think about how much going back to like a church context, how much of interaction and relationship with men and women between men and women is confined to dating romantic or parental you know, sexual, you know, like I'll say so... in a church setting. Yeah. In a faith setting. Yeah. Like you get to a certain age and that's automatically what's going to be the interaction is going to be viewed like it's automatically going to be either, you know, guys over here, girls over here, depending on like, you know, the type of structure you are or even like, you know, you start talking to each other and you're going to have your pastor talking to you, asking you questions. (laughs) What's this? What's that? And it's like the first I feel like the first time that happens to any teenager, they're like what i didn't know there were rules of engagement to talking to people and they come down with this whole thing and it's like no and you start doing me i was blindsided when i was 16 17 years old me and a friend of mine were talking on the phone and i got in serious trouble because my mom says i wasn't allowed to talk to guys on the phone i was like i'm not Mm. that was that rule was never established um. Hmm. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, cause and I don't remember what the explanation was. It was vague, and 
uh, it's like it's too private or something like that, and you need mm, that one's to big. avoid the appearance of evil. Or I don't remember exactly. <laughs> that was probably what the was. farthest thing from your mind, right? <laughs> I'll say at the very least with that guy, it was like I mean. I was just talking to some dude and it was, it was like not even a thing. It was like a friend of mine or something. I was a teenager and I had a phone. Um, I was homeschooled. I never left the house. If I had an opportunity to talk to somebody. That was, that's, that's my situation. Like I was just this little homeschool kid and it was just like, no, you're allowed to talk to guys on the phone. I was like, oh, didn't didn't know that and because I was like so like I didn't know that was a thing I think she kind of like forgot or let it go later it's like if I ever did I just made sure she didn't see me because she's not gonna unless she's determined look at the phone bill and call the numbers so I was like I would text and then at one point there was like a guy who called me and it was a guy I had met on a mission trip and everything and we had been talking for a while and he called me one day to tell me that he, like his niece or nephew had been born or something i was like yeah cool that's nice bye because like both of my parents were like standing on each side of me and they're like who's that friend of mine sister had a baby <laughs> and didn't you want to like who i was like somebody met on the mission trip like wasn't even get into it because it was just like this mm. weirdness around a lot of it and don't even want to get into the one time I did like a guy. That was hell. My mom talked to his mom. Ooh. Messy. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then we ended up not talking for months because it just made everything weird. And it was like, if y'all don't talk, we're going to make, all four of us are going to sit down and we're going to talk. And it was like, <laughs> about what? Yeah. Like, jeez. I was 16. I was like, yeah, I was admittedly flirting, but this was too deep for me. I was like, I'm out. I'm fine. So that just makes... It's like the, the, the environment that church kids grows up in. It, it definitely makes things awkward and weird to an extent. But like Sarah said, like, one, I am bi to an extent in high school mm -hmm. more so. Mm -hmm. But... The fact that, like, just the the feelings I had for women didn't register. I didn't know they were anything different than anybody else felt. I thought that's how everybody was, honestly. <laughs> like, they were just scared. like, no, that's not the case. But um, it just didn't register. So it was always, like, I just... Marriage and a family was just always mm -hmm. something that was going to mm -hmm. happen somehow, somewhere in the future. I just... It, to me, I thought it was a given. I thought it just, that's just how it worked. Yeah. Going back to your earlier point, Jonna, about um, the ways that we see men and women interacting even in like church context. Um, I think it's also very, it's something I've noticed in myself that if I'm in a group of men, I can slip into like the mom function where I'm like making sure everyone's eating and cleaning up after everyone and doing all of the cooking and like being the one that everyone goes to with their emotional problems. And I think that that just like fosters this environment where I'm not like, yes, I am fully part of the group, but also the cost to me is much bigger than the cost of these other people that I think creates that disconnect. And I think that can happen inside these spaces too. Really? Yeah. I feel like I do that in either mixed one I am the oldest of nine children, so there's a part of just habit in some of those things. Yes. Um, I find I do that in either mixed company or with my usually like girlfriends, but like with my guy friends, I don't like at all. No, it like I said, I I feel like I just well, I have a lot of brothers. I've had guy friends growing up. I remember like even in missions, I'd be like the one chick standing at the barbecue pit with the guys. <laughs> it's like one, there's food here. You know, it's like we're starting there, but I would be like, I could slip into this easily. And it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't hard, but no, that's not where that function does for me. It's either, like I said, either mixed company or with girls like at work, be it. I'm only like 30. All these other chicks are like 20 and 22. I'd be like, your shoes are falling apart. You need to get new ones. Why aren't you wearing your glasses? Did you eat before you came to work? <laughs> and I think I love 
that role and there's a lot of beauty into it. I think what I don't like is when I default into it. Like if I'm actively mm-hmm. choosing into that, wonderful, beautiful. Right. But when mm-hmm. I'm, when it's not needed and when it's like, this is an online mm-hmm. space and you people are perfectly capable of taking care of yourselves and also talk to each other about your feelings and name when you need me to do emotional, like the, all of, I think those things are like more, taking care of people is beautiful. One of the things I love about being queer is the way that like I can take care of people in ways that are differently gendered than society says they should be. But mm-hmm. when I just fall into it is when I have tension. Yeah. I mean, this isn't exactly the same thing, but it might be somewhat related. I feel like where it comes in for me is if there's an argument or tension or conflict uh, in a side B space with a bunch of guys, like, oh my gosh, I just want to like take care of everybody and help every get a, everybody get along and, you know, be the perfect really? diplomat and, and help everybody, yeah. you know, all these people were completely tone deaf to each other's feelings and yeah. what they are saying and how this yeah. other person is responding. And yeah, there's a way in which that can be a good thing, but yeah, if I'm going there when I don't need to go there, or if I'm going there in a way that prevents me from engaging in the conversation on my own, or, you know, being fully part of it myself, yeah. then yeah, that's that, that's the trap I fall into. Is Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I'm really happy that someone feels the need or wants to try to do that, because a lot of times when they... St- Love you all, my side B brothers in Christ, <laughs> but y'all are petty. Yeah. And when we get like that, we hide from y'all. We leave y'all. Not Joanna. She wants to help y'all. The rest no, of us, not, I don't do it as much as I should. I used to apart. do it more. But. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but I'm like, I, I'd like I, when they get like that. Honestly, I'm like y'all, 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 y'all. Same thing I'll do with my brothers. I'm like, please bleed outside. <laughs> like, when they start bubbling into each other and they're just like you know ready to tear each other apart it's like do that over there (laughs) away from me (laughs) like i don't have the time or the energy to want to do any yeah Yeah, yeah. and that's part of it being realistic about what my impact can be right Mm. like trying to fix things i can't fix trying to save situations i can't save i feel like i feel like uh, my femaleness is sort of connected to that in some yeah, way. You know, in, in I, I feel like, like it's sort trying of, to be a peacemaker. Like, I feel like women sort of tend to have that as a thing um, more on average than guys do. But that for me, that's that's a trap. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> something, something I have to catch myself in because yeah. it, it does get it does get unhealthy. It just it just grinds it. It grinds me down. Yeah, because it's almost to an extent like these. Like, I don't want to say it's in a negative way, but it's like these arguments or these um, heated discussions are going to happen no matter what. And we can't avoid them. So always trying to try to stop it and not let it happen to an extent, even though we don't understand it. And to us, it looks chaotic and bad. It may not always be that and we don't always need to stop it. And I think that's another way that we can see that, like, the way we approach things is different, too, because... Like I said, the guys, they get very heated and stuff that sometimes we're like, it wasn't even that big of a deal. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it's just like almost we don't understand. I think it's almost kind of like what you said, just that intensity that we're just like, maybe we don't have for certain things. And that's also probably one of the reasons that we're not like, you know, in some of these conversations. It's just like. I don't want to say we're not as invested, but just not invested in that way. I don't know how to explain it. Am I making sense? No, that 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 totally that totally makes sense. And I also think you bring up the excellent point that trying to stop conflict from happening is not always the best thing. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's good for stuff to come on out there and, you know, it's not always helped, I'll say, in like the different you know groups that we're in, and we've seen these arguments develop and and just happen repeatedly over time, no matter what we do or say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes, a few times, some of those conversations 
that were hard, when it didn't get trivial, good things did come of them. Yeah. Like, I, there have been times where it's like it did, it went nowhere and it was going nowhere. But there have been a couple of discussions that I've seen where it's like, yeah, it did, it did bring about, you know, it did bring about some awareness to a problem that maybe different people didn't know was a problem. And almost to that extent of like a lot of times women wanting to stop a problem or be peacemakers or avoid problems, we might let certain things left unsaid. Us being left out of the conversation, for example, we get so tired of saying like, <laughs> yep. uh, I have something to say, 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 and no one calls on you be like, what do you have to say? That you just stop raising your hand and you just let them dominate. Like, well, you head, you go ahead and you lead the conversation. You you do it. It's fine. And I'll 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 chip in when you ask me or or stuff like that. And I think it's interesting at the very least how the conversation many times a long time ago maybe I don't know if I want to say a long time ago or at least for a longer amount of time because the conversation on sexuality was so much based in male sexuality that that's why women didn't relate to it at all either yeah one like i said it comes a lot of like ex-gay stuff too like if you want to go into like how faith was talked about but even just not just that just it was all talked about how men related to each other or related to women or this that and it's like well in female sexuality it's like it was it was there are similarities, but it was different. So it's like things did, there were certain things that didn't overlap. And that's for a long time why I feel like we weren't even part of the conversation. Cause it's almost like you were talking about something different. It's like, it's like they're both gay, but it's like, they're both oriented towards different things. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, connected to that is also, I think historically we've had, it's taken us a long time to at least, in this sort of recent cycle has taken us a long time to come to terms with the fact that women have sexuality and and, and have a sexuality. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's something that I think is, you know, it was sidelined, right? For, I think, a lot of the 1800s, a lot of the 1900s. You know, I feel like it's a cycle that comes back and forth. But I feel like the most recent swing we were on uh, was, you know, yeah, women, you know, not really sexual. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, and in that, that case, still comes up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's another way in which our experience gets sort of minimized, Mm. you know, or sort of, it's not really as serious or important as, as it is for guys, as it is for the guys. Yeah. Yeah, And and I, I think that's a real thing. It's different. It's not that it's, it's less important to us. It just, I feel like we relate to it differently. And I think that Mm -hmm. also goes back to Sarah's point from before about agency, Mm -hmm. because it was like, you don't make decisions for yourself. So you're all was also related to that. It's like, well, you don't have, I feel like it, like you said, we don't have sexuality. It's like our sexuality didn't point us anywhere. It was almost like only a reaction thing. It was never an action thing. Right. It was reacting to guys, sexuality or reacting to a guy's need or something like that. And it was never something that came from us. As women, and that's also, like, a part that, like you said, is new. It's like, oh, well, maybe women do have their own thing. Yeah. In, like, what kind of things do we have, I think, like, how have we seen, I feel like the progress we've seen at the very least inside B circles has been, like I said, within the past few years. Just recently, we've seen, we've seen a few women write books. Um, We've had more participation of women and like I said, even in our few retreats, I really like that the women have taken their own initiative to make their own retreats. I think that's amazing. Um, so what do you guys, where do you guys see hope in, in these conversations? I got on the soapbox early last summer. been thinking a lot about women's inclusion inside B um, and got on a soapbox about how um one, like what it means to essentialize women in spaces. And so I went from the extreme of like 
men not recognizing that I exist to men like every time I said something being like Sarah you were so incredible and everything you say and like which (laughs) is very kind but also I think continues (laughs) this disconnect of like we are not actually engaging in relationship with each other and we're not getting to know each other you're still just using me for my ideas and so that you can check your like I have a woman in this conversation box box. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think I've gained a lot of hope from men who have been very intentional to build relationship with me outside of a necessarily side B or like not necessarily because they need my side B insight, but because they genuinely are invested in relationship. Um, and I think that's been something that has been really life giving for me in within side B spaces. So I think that's a place that I, I find hope. Mm. And also men who ask good questions. Yeah. Um, Cause I think, I think this comes with being a marginalized person in a lot of different areas that I can very often like know the things that my, like my friends do that hurt me or that aren't helpful for them and point those out to them. But it's very hard to like initiate those conversations. And so I think when people have come to me Mm -hmm. and said like, how can I make more space for women or other things that I'm doing that are getting in the way of, um, people with marginalized gender identities interacting in this space, they're able to say, yes, like when you talk in this way or when you talk about these things, are you thinking about the fact that this is not just a bunch of men that are talking? Um, And I think people having the introspection to ask for those things has been really life-giving. But also I've only been inside these spaces for a year, a year, two years. So I feel like I don't necessarily have the (laughs) progress over the years perspective. No, that's that's really cool. That's That's really encouraging. Um, yeah, like, like you say, um, real friendships with guys, um, you know, totally transcending that woman's perspective thing. But, uh, I've had a few of those, uh, friendships that have been just really precious to me, you know, and, and finding that we can communicate specifically from this side B perspective that we have our different, you know, we have our different perspectives, but there's so much we can connect on and, and resonate with each other on and, and speak together. You know, I've like, I find those points of connection uh, really encouraging. Um, And that's, that's one good thing that uh, one of the many good things that came for me out, out of Revoice is, connecting with a lot more guys. Um, you know, I've always had side B guy friends, but, but it's been something that, um, has sort of opened up more, uh, just a lot more conversations. And that's, that's been, that's been really encouraging. I'm really encouraged to see guys reading, um, either listening to side B women, uh, speakers, uh, like Eve or like reading Eve's book, reading Rachel's book, uh, guys connecting with and learning from learning from women i mean i think that's a, a great thing um and yeah the I, I feel so sad i i couldn't end up making this last retreat but uh the retreat that i was i was at in in tennessee the that that we that we did that you know after all these years of talking about you, you don't know this sarah but we literally for like a decade were just talking about um yeah you know the women should get together and do something uh and it never happened and never happened and you know that we and there just seem to be so many barriers to it right um you know women in general have less financial resources than men do and so we just have less ability to make things happen like airfare or you know lodging or um and that that we were able and I think the way we designed that retreat to you know we did the cooking um you know it was sort of shorter in duration you know it was a it was a, a location lots of people could drive to you know that we were able to to overcome obstacles and and make that happen and it was a it was a beautiful space um uh yeah that we're that we're figuring out how to do things and now i do want to say uh, and y'all can disagree with me on this but um 
as precious as that woman's space has been to me, uh, I do uh, wish and hope that guys would in general, uh, when the guys are doing something, that they would consider very carefully uh, before making it before making it single sex. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of side B groups and organizations that are explicitly male-centered. And I think the assumption is often, oh, that the women will do their own thing. And, you know, the women can, and I feel like uh, for a lot of reasons, that's just hard, you know? So I, th that would be my one plea, you know, to guys is, and, you know, I get it that there may be situations in which it's truly necessary. Uh, but, you know, I would just ask them to consider don't make the assumption that the women have their own thing going on uh, and the women can make their own thing happen. Because if you, you know, think about how hard it is for you as a side B guy, um, you know, to get a critical mass of people uh, and, and resources together to make whatever you want to happen, happen. And then imagine, you know, you have one eighth of that or, you know, yeah. one fifth of that on a good day, yep. you know, and, it's, uh, you know, the, I'm so delight, you know, I'm so encouraged by the women's retreat. Uh, uh, but I don't want that to, <laughs> I want to celebrate that and rejoice in that, but I don't want to, I don't want to send the message that, oh yeah, you know, the women have their own thing going on. So, you know, we can go do our happy, you know, gay guy connecting with deep male friendship thing off on our own and, you know, affirm our masculinity and, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that, it's like, I think a lot of the conversations that have just been had over the years, like if you want to go like before side B with side B, just like over the, just, just looking at over the period of time, it's, it's that's cause that's what a lot of the thing was. It was about getting, cause it was getting back to your masculinity or connecting to your masculinity or whatever. And obviously that's not the direction they wanted to push us in, in the church. So <laughs> we didn't go to those meetings or we didn't go to those church functions or group talks or whatever. Cause that's not exactly what they wanted to get us into. Um, and I think the part of what you said about like the finances too, is a big thing that a lot of things, the guys probably don't realize and or think about. And I think in like before recently, I would notice that a lot of times the only women that had that would really be more consistently there in certain functions or things were women that were married and had more finances, had more access to finances yep. than single women would. Yep. And a lot of times, many times for any retreats, or anything we would be having, there would it would be consistently a lot of the same women being like, I can't afford it. I just yep. I just can't afford it. I can't afford to save that money. I can't afford to miss that much work. Um yep. something like that. And that's why a lot of times also not only do you see like a lack of women inside these spaces, you saw a lack of celibate women inside these spaces. You had You're celibate right. gay men and women in mixed orientation marriages and yes. not a lot of the opposite where you have mm you wouldn't see a lot of celibate women and you wouldn't see a lot of men in mixed orientation marriages. And now I feel like only recently it's starting to, to level out. And it's because of what Joanna said earlier, that we include more now, like you said, bisexual, aspect people in, in our conversations. Whereas before, and I mean, I know I definitely felt a bit of that when I first joined the group, I'm like, I'm not exclusively same-sex attracted, even though it's only a smidge. It's a little more than some people have, you know, and I felt almost privileged to an extent, and I guess you could say that I am. And I'm like, and I'm married, I'm not celibate, I'm not feeling the same pressure everybody's feeling, so I don't really want to put myself in that space that might not be mine. Um, I'll even admit I've felt that recently with having the baby. Like, I remember I used to go to the side B group to tell everybody everything. Anything that happened in my life, good, bad, whatever, mm -hmm. I would tell everybody everything. Be like, hey, this is going on. And then when I got pregnant, I obviously told everybody because I was excited. But I didn't want to go to the group and, like, share that as much when I know a lot of people who want to have children and yep. don't have that option. Yep. I didn't want to no, be like, same here. baby! Same here. Same here. And just it, being... I just kind of drew back a little bit. And I know that now that 
women have we have more of that representation women do kind of join in more that it's like oh we have a lot of asexual people and bisexual and pansexual people in the group it's not just exclusively same-sex attracted people who are celibate that this is for that's why i push against they calling it the celibate position (laughs) as much because it it it's 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 not as inclusive it's of all the people who who might relate to this faith walk, which is what right, I right, become right. a little more of. I also think, correct me if I'm mistaken, that the Side B Women's Retreat, the first one, was fundraised through the main group. And so, like, men contributed money so that the that's Women's true. Retreat could happen. That is true. That is true. And I, I forgot that. You are right. And I think that's another prime example of, like, like reasons we have hope for the future and, like, what it looks like to engage in this conversation well that like not only do you intellectually and like recognize that women are important to the conversation, but you also recognize that women are like the women being together is important and are willing to like put your money where yeah. your mouth is. Um, oh, I didn't remember that. That's cool. No, it is true. It's totally now. Like as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, I, I didn't go to either of them. I just oh. watched from afar. <laughs> sad, sad yeah. That's no. the, I, don't... I, I remember I... being so encouraged. Sorry. No, no you go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh no, I just, I, I just, I remember that now that you mentioned it, and I was so encouraged to hear, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was totally surprised that they stepped up. Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, one of the other things that gives me hope for the future is other women. Um, I think that was really meaningful for me. I like had just joined the side B group when I went to the first retreat. And it was in the middle of a horrible time in my life. Um, But I remember a conversation I had with someone where they were just talking about, and they're like mm, 30, 40 years older than me. And I asked some question about like being side B, being queer. And her response to the question was like, I just kept falling in love with women. And it was such a like side comment, but was so helpful for my brain that had just come out and was doing the whole like, is this just a phase? Is this like, is this something to hear someone that much older than me? Who's like, no, like this is a consistent pattern that I have experienced over the course of my life and thus have chosen to be in these spaces that I think we don't mm-hmm. necessarily get from our families or from churches or from community. Um, another random thought connected to an earlier thing is that um, Tymon Lee sometimes talks about how the church mandates demisexuality onto women. And so always talks about women's attraction as if like they need the emotional attraction and, you know, sometimes they have sexual attraction, but very rarely and how that both harms demisexual women and also allosexual women who then like their experience is not lining up with what, with that experience and that we talk about that as if it's the norm That's for a women whole conversation right and then the shame <laughs> yeah. that comes with that and all of that um yeah but i just think it's important i'm sure me and joanna both have specific thoughts on that <laughs> yeah. no like, you're totally right like our culture in general but but especially christian i think spaces have no place for yeah, sort of a, a non-demisexual female experience, I feel like. Because yeah. that was that was so me, and yeah, I felt so weird. You know, I felt so, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but just being able to, you know, people always talk like, oh, well, you know, the, 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 the woman's thing is this totally different thing. And I was like, it doesn't really feel that different to me. <laughs> you know, like, well, you know, when I was hanging out with my, and this is says something not wonderful about where I was in a lot of ways at that time. But, you know, I would hang out with guy friends in my teenage years and we would think relatively similar things and make relatively similar comments. And yes, I had a lot of misog- internalized misogyny going on at that time uh, that fed into that. But th- there, yeah, there was also a level of I respond sexually outside of relationship. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just do, you know, and that's, that's real. And it's not everybody. It's not, it's certainly not the only story. Um, but yeah, it's part of it. And it doesn't make you not a woman to feel it. Yep. <laughs> and it, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. 
Like, I like the, like, what you mentioned earlier, like, um, you mentioned Eve, and I like how a lot of, at the very least in Side B Spaces, how a lot of gay men, they really do love Eve Tushnet. Yeah. And it's the one book that we had for a long time, and I've still yeah. not read it. Please yeah. forgive me. But we've all read a lot of the guys' books, is what yeah. the point I'm getting at. We've read, because that's all there was. And we yeah. learned how to relate to their experience, yeah. even though it wasn't our own. Yeah. And right, we'd have I to think, translate it and extend it to ourselves. Yeah. Right. But we still learned things from it. Yeah. And I think now that guys are finally having the opportunity and there are materials available to them, that there are like books and thinkers, like a lot of them, they, they all really love Bridget as well, that they have access to that mm-hmm. material. They have access to a different perspective and yeah. they are also learning to do that same thing. And yes. they're willing to to also learn from women. That's also really encouraging to me that they'll take that and use that as like, hey, this person said this and this is important. And it's not just only from, um, you know, the guy that's always in charge or whatever. Like it was before, I think you always look to whoever was the, you know, the elder pastor, the gray haired guy or whatever. And now it's it's not so much like that. And they'll go be like, hey, this person saying this and it's like not just because they're woman like sarah said it's not like here's the woman's perspective it's like hey this person has a really good point and yeah it happens to be women that are being um mixed into the conversation like that and that that also really makes me very hopeful yeah that those materials are being accepted and and really being taken in mm-hmm. by the by yeah. by the guys in our spaces definitely any last thoughts did we cover everything not everything obviously <laughs> but <laughs> the, the we completely the solved the problem oh, God, love no. that for it's us fixed. <laughs> it's fixed it's fixed i guess i would say some also like if we were to think of like what guys could do like so they don't have to come and ask us what do you want us to do i think one of the things would be like if you have girls in your group now, don't be, like Sarah said, don't be like, so what do the girls think? Don't do that. But if you notice that a woman is in your space and she's not saying anything, it doesn't mean she doesn't have anything to say. She probably just doesn't know if you want to hear it or not. And depending on our level of patience that day is how determined we're going to be on sharing that. But if there's a woman in your space, she probably does have an opinion. Ask us. Like... Ask us what we think about whatever is being talked about. Or if it's just someone It's like, I usually like what you say in other areas. So you might have something to contribute to this. What do you think? And we'll greatly appreciate that. But that's, I think that's one way to get it included. Because sometimes when someone's not saying anything, you think it's because they don't have anything to say. But sometimes just we're tired of trying. I have two thoughts on like what takeaways. Um, one, I think if your friend group or your side B friend group is all cis gay men or just cis men generally, um, reflect. There's That's probably not how your friend group should look. And I think we talk about diversity a lot of times like in a racial way and it's like if all your friends are white, you're doing something wrong. And I think that those a lot of those principles apply along gender lines as well. If all of your friends are cis, maybe reflect. Um, if all of your friends are men, if you're constantly interacting with men, probably there are some perspectives that you're missing and some people that you are mm-hmm. excluding. Um, oh, and I lost my other thought. Oh, I think also misogyny in general, I think is one of those conversations that if you were not actively working against it, you were participating in it. Um, and so maybe just another note for reflection that if this is not something that you can think about and name in yourself and name how you were working against it, probably you were actively complicit and need to begin reflecting and can do that by talking to the other men in your life and about what they're recognizing and like having those conversations and not through always going to the women to do that emotional labor for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, I think one thought that sort of connects to, to Sarah's first thought, which would be, uh, I think uh, guys in general should be open to uh, just valuing 
female friendships in general, but side B female friendships more. Um, I see a lot of guys, you know, come into groups and they're like, oh yeah, I'm looking for, you know, you know, male a special friends. bond with the, with a special with a, man, with a guy. Right. 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 And, and I, I don't, not invalidating that in any way. Uh, but I, I do wish guys would be open more to other kinds of friendship, <laughs> uh, specifically that includes women, you know, like, uh, yeah. And I think it's, that can also come to like, like you said, going back to like what the first point Sarah had about, um, if your group is all one, one specific thing. So like, and what we talked about earlier, like the guys getting together and including us, if they're noticing like, Hey, why is it that there's only ever one or two of the women from our group coming to what we're doing or hanging out with us or participating in our conversations? Is there something we're doing that they don't want to be here? Or is there something that is actively making it to where they can't be here? You know, maybe, maybe think about that. Is it, is it because we're not in, you know, is there, is there a reason that they're not here and what can we do to change or fix that or something? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, like Joanna's saying, we want to be there. It's like, we, we, it's not just that we want to have our own thing. We want to be included in the conversation that everyone else is having. It's like, we want, we want to, yeah. we want to participate. We want to, we have something to say about like what the status quo is. And we can't be that if it just was like, well, you guys have your own thing. You guys go do that. And we have overlap overlap of interest. We can't all assume yep. that, you know, the gay guys all like one thing to, or certain activities and all the all the lesbians, they all want to do this other thing. It's like, no, it's like there's there's an overlap, okay? Like <laughs> there's an overlap of interests of music and TV shows and clothes, like I'm sure there's something we can like it's not just because, I mean, we've made jokes before that, like, if we went camping, the guys would be able to put up a tent or something like that. And it's really funny, but... It's true. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I know. Sorry. They said that. They were like, if, if you guys set up the tents, we'll be fine. But, like, you know, it's like, it's not all going to be like that. You know, we can't no, yeah, all yeah. just depend on stereotypes and jokes, even though they are funny. But, like, it's there. there is stuff that, if anything, we all come together at this intersection of faith and love to talk theology until it, we're blue in the face. So I think there's like, sometimes just remember that like, like Janice says, give us a chance, you know, might like us more than you thought you would, even though we're not going to be girlfriend and boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and you know, if we're Christians, we're family, right? We're siblings, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. And we should be siblings to each other. And yeah. And that's something that's missing from the, the way that I think women and, and men are raised to, to treat each other in society. It's always like it's a potential mate. And if it's not Mm -hmm. a potential mate, then they're not on your radar. Like we talked about earlier. So it's like, well, just because I'm not a potential mate or someone you're going to be potentially interested in aesthetically or romantically or sexually or anything like that, doesn't mean we can't be in each other's lives. Doesn't mean that we're not going to, that we can't, you know, interact on different levels. And we all forget that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really hope the guys don't take this as to, like, we're just bagging on them. <laughs> I've been thinking about that the whole time. Well, I guess that's all we have for today. This is just stuff that we, that has been talked about in different, um, different, different groups, different conversations that we've had where it's like, we've mentioned a lot of times that in, there's not a lot of our representation and we're not represented many times because we're not included as much as we would hope to be. We would like to see the same representation that the guys have. So this is not so much, I don't want it to sound like they were just here pointing out all these different problems because that's not the idea, but we're just pointing out the things that we've seen over, over time, whether it be a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years, however long we've been in this conversation, when we can see consistent things that we've tried to improve and we do see improving, but that it is something that we would, that we feel like needs to be addressed. Because a lot of times if you 
just look at your materials. You look at the things you have. It's not usually women being able or given the chance to lead these conversations or even participate in them. And I hope that this has given everyone something to to think about and to reflect on. Um, and I am encouraged by the fact that we are doing better and we, I feel like we're going to continue to do so. And that this is an encouragement for all of us to also try to participate in these conversations when we're given the chance to do so. Beautiful. This conversation is I, lovely. I think it's <laughs> <laughs>